for us today. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We're continuing our series this morning on the forgotten virtues. And I know that as I'm talking to a crowd of people that I've gotten to know over these last four years being here in Pittsfield, it's been an incredible honor that I'm not preaching to anybody that needs to hear these messages. Amen? Yeah. We all got it figured out. Amen? Keep preaching. Uh, No, I'm glad that we come into a place like this and we can hear messages like these from God's Word that continue to shape us and mold us into the people that God wants us to be. I want to share a story with you as we talk about this virtue of integrity today. Integrity. What an incredible virtue this is. It was a Monday morning, probably in the year 1992, 93, somewhere in that range. Anybody remember where they were on that Monday morning? Nobody. Okay, I'm going to tell you where I was, okay? It was on a Monday morning, and I, I know it was a Monday morning because in our home on Monday mornings, that was my dad's day off. And so we would just have come through Sunday, and Monday morning was a special time in our home because Monday meant family day. And my dad was very, uh, very religious, if you will, in a good way, of making sure that his day off was for the family. And we loved that. My mom and dad would get up on Monday mornings and my dad would begin to pay the bills and write the checks and then he would go to the bank and deposit his check and get money out for the week. And, and my mom and dad were very open about finances and they were very good about teaching us um, where God was blessing us and how we had to live our lives according to those blessings. And so on this Monday morning in particular, I was sitting at the kitchen table watching my dad pay bills. It was so exciting. No, it wasn't. But I remember sitting there watching him as he worked out all of those details, and then he got done, he closed the checkbook with everything put in the checkbook like he always did, and he looks at me and he says, Son, you want to go with me to the bank? Of course I did. I wanted to spend time with my dad. So we get in the car and we go to the bank, and and we always went through the drive-thru at the bank, and we came through the drive-thru, and this drive-thru was such that you would look into the bank window. So they were over there, and they were looking at us, and we were facing them in our car, and we would look at them, and they would talk to you as they're doing your transaction like any good bank teller does. And, and they, would, they would interact with you, and I remember this day vividly because as, as Dad was putting his envelope in the, in the tube shoot thing, whatever that is, and it would go, and it would take off, and then it would come back. The envelope came back with the cash, and we took it out, and we said our, our salutations to the bank teller, and we went home. Pretty uneventful. But as Dad got home, he opened that envelope to realize that not only did he get the cash out that he asked for, she had given him cash for the deposit as well. So way more money than he was supposed to have back. And I was like, wow, isn't God good? He goes, yes, he is good, but we're going to take the money back. And as a young, young boy, young, uh, becoming a young man, I kept thinking, wow, this is, this is interesting. I wonder what's going to happen. I was very curious, so I went with him back to the bank. And this time we went into the lobby, and we shared with the bank teller, my dad doing the talking as I was watching. And he said, I think you made a mistake, and uh, I wanted to return this to you. You gave me not only my cash, but you gave me the deposit in cash. 
and this is way too much money, and, and I don't want you to get in trouble. And as tears began to flow down her face, she said, I'm so grateful that you brought the money back because I've been told if I make one more mistake, I'll lose my job. And I can't pay the bills to feed my kids if I lose the job. So I'm so thankful that you brought the money back. I can't believe you brought the money back. And as we continued to to go through this conversation, I just remember how grateful she was. And as we were leaving the bank, she again said, I can't believe you brought the money back. Isn't it tragic that we live in a world where people are shocked by integrity and not by dishonesty. We live in a world where there's so much lack of integrity and we see it in so many different places in our world that it's become a norm for us. Let me give you a few general examples. We see it we see it in the star athlete. We see athletes fall from their notoriety. We see it in the dare I say the politician And it's become a norm, the lack of integrity. We see it even in the church as we see pastors and church leaders fall to sin and dishonesty. Maybe you've seen it in your friend or a family member. The lack of integrity seems to be something that we get used to. So I want us to begin today by uh, working out the definition of integrity. Now, this is not Webster's definition. This is our working understanding of what integrity means for for this time together today. So as we're going through this message, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's the definition we're going to work with today. Integrity, really, when it comes down to it, is this. It is when your behavior matches your beliefs. When your behavior matches your beliefs. You see, our lives must become so integrated into all that we do, what we think, what we say, what we do. They become to, it becomes to form us as a whole person, or at least that's the goal. And so, in the other words, what you say lines up with what you do and how you live your life. Your private life is the same as what your public life is. Behind closed doors is the same person that you are in front of people. This is so true in our, in our public life that we are the people that we say we are. We do the things that we say we're going to do. And some of us, and, and I'm included in this, we have to be careful that our public life does still include those private times behind a keyboard. Our public life is on social media as well. Our integrity, our beliefs go out in our behavior, even behind that keyboard. We have to be careful that those things match up. Even when no one is watching us, even when nobody is looking over our shoulder, does our behavior match our beliefs? You see, sometimes we'll talk about that when it comes to things that that are public knowledge, things that are easily accessible now and and I remember there's a joke that sometimes we talk about in, in, in our home, and I'm sure you have as well, and we talk about certain people, and we're like, you know what, they've got a reputation to uphold, or they've got a reputation that they're living out, and we think that reputation and integrity go hand in hand. And I want to tell you that's just wrong. Okay, Reputation is who others think you are, 
Integrity is who you really are. Let me say that again. Reputation is who others think you are. Integrity is who you really are. See, the Bible talks about this in many different places, and we're going to look at a few of those today. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. There's one character in the Bible that, that he was so bold in his wanting to evaluate his own integrity that he gathered people together at the end of his life. And this character in the Bible that I want us to, to see a little bit about was Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, you can go and read this for yourself. And he does something that's pretty crazy. He's, he's nearing the end of his life. He's nearing the end of his ministry. He knows that it's coming. And he gathers everybody together that he's been leading over this time. And he begins to ask them, I want you to tell me. I want you to look into my life. I want you to speak into my life and tell me if what I did and how I lived measured up to what I said. Was I really the man that you knew me to be? A very bold ask. I think of this a lot when we're doing funerals and when we meet with the family and we start to hear the stories and we go over their life and we, we continue to, to unpack all that this person was or wasn't. And you begin to ask the question, well, who's going to talk about this person's life? Who wants to relive some of these things? And I've been sitting on this very platform as I listen to some of those words take place as the body of the departed loved one may sit right here. And I think, man, I really wish they could hear this in person. I really wish they knew what people thought of them before they passed. You know, Samuel must have had a heads up or, or at least an inkling to know, you know what, I want to I go to my grave knowing that I was a man of integrity. And I'm not going to take the time here today to ask you to speak into my life in that realm. This is not the time or the place. You can come meet with me any time of the week if you want. Tell me what you don't like about me. That's fine, too. Uh, I have that happen, so that's okay. But I'm not going to do that today on a Sunday morning, but I want us to think about it. Think about your life. If you were to gather your family around, if you were to gather your friends around and say like Samuel did, am I really the person that I say that I am? Do my, does my behavior match my beliefs? You see, there's another picture of integrity in Scripture. We read it this morning. Mary read it for us. This picture of the life of integrity from the psalmist. I want us to look at it again because it never says the word integrity. But let's just look at this a minute. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary or your sacred tent? In other words, what the psalmist is asking is how do we get into that realm? How do we get into your presence? Who is worthy of that? Who may live on your holy mountain? He whose walk is blameless. That's integrity. And who does what is righteous? That's integrity. Who speaks the truth from his heart. That's integrity. And he who has no slander on his tongue. That's integrity. Who does no wrong to a neighbor. That's integrity. And casts no slur on others. It's integrity. Who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. That's integrity. Who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Ouch. That's integrity. And does not change their mind. That's integrity. Whoever does these things 
will never be shaken. Say that with me. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. That's the word of the Lord. That's not my good quip of a saying to you today. It says, if you have integrity, whoever does these things will never be shaken. So let's look at some of the benefits of integrity today. The first thing really quickly that I want us to see, the benefit of integrity is this. You are able to walk closely with God. You are able to walk closely to God. In other words, you know him, you begin to get into his word, you begin to talk to him through prayer. He knows you, you know the desires of his heart, you know what he values, and you begin to walk in step with what God wants for your life. That's what integrity will do for you. It's one of those benefits. You will walk in a close, personal relationship with the Lord. That's an incredible benefit today, folks. What's another benefit of integrity? You have a built-in guide. You have a built-in guide. In other words, you know what this guide is when it comes to the benefit of integrity. The guide is to do what's right. Do the next right thing. I heard somebody say that. I thought, man, that is so good. What do I do in this situation when I'm at a crossroads? Do the right thing. Well, what do I do if it's, if it's a good thing, not so good? Th- we'll do the right thing. What if it's a good thing and another good thing? We'll do the best right thing right now. That's what integrity is. And you have a built-in guide because you know that that matches up with what God wants for your life. God is never going to ask you to do the wrong thing. Amen? He's going to always ask you to do the next right thing. What a cool cool cheat sheet that is. What a cool benefit that is for us. Our our Proverbs tells us that the integrity of the upright guides them. We know where we're going. It's a built-in guide. Another benefit is this. You can have constant peace in your heart. You can have constant peace in your heart. This is a big one for me. Maybe it is for you too. Maybe you've ever, maybe you've prayed for this. God, would you just give me peace in my life? Would would things just kind of seem Like there's nothing going wrong. Would it just be peaceful in my life? In my family, would you bring us peace? But I want you to think about this for a minute. If you're a person of integrity, you can lay your head down on the pillow each night and have peace. Because if you're doing the next right thing, if you're a person of integrity, you can lay your head on the pillow at night and not have to worry. Hmm, I hope they don't find out my mistake at work today. Hmm. I hope my wife doesn't wake up or my spouse doesn't wake up and check my phone tonight. Hmm, I wonder what they thought of what I said today. Did I hurt their feelings? Did I do something that, that is going to cause somebody else to stumble? You know, you can sit there and have a, you can lay there and have a sleepless night because there's no peace in your life. Why? Because you're struggling to have the guide in our life that is integrity. Do the next right thing. Walk closely with God. Have peace. We don't have to be concerned about whether or not that thought we had was godly or not or that action that followed that thought was godly. Why? Because we can be a person of integrity. There's an incredible peace that comes from knowing that you're walking right in step with the Lord. Amen? Genesis chapter 3 talks about that place in in the human being's life when that peace left. 
Genesis chapter 3, if you're not familiar with Genesis chapter 3, if you go clear to the beginning of the story of God, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. The first two chapters of Genesis talk about creation and the wonderful benefit that it was and, and, and the incredible creation opportunity that God gave us as human beings and he began to walk in the garden with us and he began to have communion with us. The Bible says that in the cool of the day they walked with God. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, it's, it's really cool on these, these summer nights as the, the, I know the temperature's getting warmer and such, but we've been able to spend some nights outside with our family. And I've been thinking about this passage so much because I just think of this passage and think, what peace there is in that. And as I'm able to walk down to the local ice creamery with my family, what peace that brings me to just be out in God's creation. And to have that, that opportunity as Adam and Eve walked in the garden with peace with their creator. What an incredible benefit that was. Yet we get to chapter 3 and everything changes. In chapter 3, we see the fall of man. We see sin enter the picture. We see the lack of integrity come into play. And as they are tempted by the serpent, Eve takes the fruit and gives it to Adam and they both consume of this fruit and they begin to see what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> the knowledge that they are given because they disobeyed God. And because they've been given this knowledge, they know now what they did was wrong. They, the Bible says that they, they hid themselves it was almost as if they had a standing appointment with God the Creator. You know what? In the cool of the day, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk. So they go about their day. They go and they go to this tree. Man, this looks good. This looks like good fruit. It's the best fruit in the garden. Maybe the serpent's right. Let's just try it. See if it's as good as it looks. Let's try it. And then they try it. They eat it. And then they realize, oh, man, at 4 o'clock, God's coming back. Mm. And they hide. They don't have peace anymore. They're shameful. They know what they did was wrong. And as, as you read in Scripture, go read it for yourself. It's a really cool story. It's, it's true. It's God's Word. And as God comes back into the garden to have His meeting with His prized creation, He starts asking, where are you? Why have you hidden yourself from me? They don't have peace anymore in their heart. They hide from God because they're worried about what he's going to say. Mm. God, help us to be people of integrity so that we can live out the benefit of having constant peace in our life, knowing that we're walking with him, that we have a guide to help us. And the last benefit I want to talk to you about today is this. You can gain trust, respect, honor, and influence as a benefit of being a person of integrity. What do you mean by that? People will value you and your life as they watch you live your life and live out this virtue of integrity. You see, what people sometimes don't realize maybe is that the opposite of integrity is being a hypocrite. And it's what many non-Christians call Christians today, is I don't want to go to church because it's just full of hypocrites. 
Okay, I'm not going to get into a theological debate about if that, what that's all about because there's truth there and we can unpack that. We could be here all day if you, want to, if you want to talk about that, come see me. We'll talk about it. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. You know, the, the outside world, the non-Christians, the, the, the people that don't realize they need Jesus are looking at us and saying, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, what is a hypocrite? The hypocrite really is, it means we are an actor portraying a role. So let me illustrate this for you. What, what the, the term really meant was that they were acting a role. And in, in old, how many of you like going to a play or to a show? A few of you? And you like the, the drama that inspires. Well, in the old-timey plays, and what they would do is the people would come out, and they'd have masks on a stick. And they would put up the mask, and they would act like a certain role. And then they would go on through that role, and then they'd put that mask down. They'd put on another mask, and they would put that in front of their face, and they would become whatever mask was in front of them. I think about that today, and as I was talking to Pastor Greg this morning, and he was getting ready to go out to Lincoln Days and to serve out there and be there for their service this morning. And I kept thinking, you know, these people come from all over the country to, to portray this role. And I remember a couple years ago being out there and talking to one of the actors that was playing a role of one of the first soldiers that dies in the reenactment. And I thought, why would you come all this way to be this person that dies in the first two minutes of the... It just doesn't seem like it's worth your time. You get to lay there with your face on the ground for most of the day. What's the deal? Why would you do that? Why? Because he's playing a role. He's becoming that person. He's, He's acting as if he is that person. That's what a hypocrite is. It's an actor. It's an actor that plays a certain role. And if we're living a life that act that lacks integrity, we are acting like something we're not. Our behaviors don't match our beliefs. We are pretending that we have it together. I think when people call Christians hypocrites, they're right to a certain degree. But I think at the same time, if we're to be honest with ourselves as Christians today, we can look in the mirror and say, God, I'm tired of acting. Help me to take the mask off of myself and put on the reality of being made in your image. Amen? We don't have to act anymore. He helps us to be all that he's called us to be. Even as Christians, we mess up. I, I, I'm, I'm not exempt from that. I'm going to tell you a story. A couple, couple of years ago when we could still... Uh, do the kind of vacation that we enjoy uh, of going on to a cruise. One of the things that's, that's great about cruises is you go into these, these foreign countries that, that you go and you can get really cool goods and services when you get off the boat. And I remember going off the boat one time, this was a while ago, and I remember negotiating with a vendor for a hat and sunglasses. Maybe you've been here. Maybe it's not in Mexico or whatever country it may have been. Maybe it's at the neighborhood garage sale. And you go in there and you're like, man, I really want this. And I remember going up to this vendor and saying, you know what? I really want this hat and the sunglasses, but I only brought $20 with me. That's all I got. No, I need $40. I only have $20. I've got all these kids you see lined up with me. Got to feed them. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a pastor, so... There's, there's a lot that goes into that. I, I have $20. That's all I got. Okay, I'll, I'll sell it to you for $20. I pull out my wallet and there's $100 bills all I got. 
the Lord blessed the $20, amen? He goes, that'll be $30, please. Yeah, I know. I messed up. I wasn't that person of integrity. You know, maybe we've been there in our own lives. Maybe you've been there as you do something similar or, or maybe somebody sees you in, in your world, in your community, and what you're going through, and they see, man, that doesn't really line up with what I thought they believed and I thought who they were. And that's where people think that we can be hypocrites. But Jesus, Jesus warns us in Scripture, he's harder on hypocrites than he was on the prostitutes and the adulterers. Matthew 23 says this, says, woe to you. When you see that in Scripture, woe to you, that means you are in big trouble. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors, you fakes, you phonies. You clean the cup, outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside's full of greed and self-indulgence. Indulge, indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. God, help us to be people of integrity that live this out in our lives. May God never say about you or about me, woe to you, woe to you. You're in big trouble. So the question we must ask ourselves today is, what is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth? What are you willing to risk when it comes to your integrity? You see, if you lack integrity, what are you going to gain by risking it? Let me give you some examples. Maybe, and and maybe none of these apply to you, and I say God bless you, but maybe you've been in a place that maybe this hits too close to home and you're just... God help me with this. Maybe you've, maybe you've put a little white lie on a resume to get a job. Well, what's your integrity worth? It's worth whatever that job was to you. It's worth whatever that job pays. It's what, worth the benefits. It's worth whatever it meant for you to falsify information about yourself, to make yourself look better. Your integrity was worth whatever that job was. Maybe you've embezzled something from work. What's your integrity worth? Whatever you embezzled. Well, I don't work at a place where I handle the money. That that doesn't matter. I worked I worked at a place that I didn't do this on purpose. <laughs> I was there by myself. I, I managed the office, and one day I I began taking the pen that I used home. Loved the pen, used it everywhere. People ask me about the pen. I love my pens, by the way. Uh, I, I have to have a certain kind of pen. And, and I took this pen home, and my wife said, where are you getting all these pens? And it hit me. Oh, I need to take them back to work. They're my work pens. They're not mine. So what's your integrity worth? For me at that point, it was worth a pen? Really? Mm. How many of you have ever done this? Don't raise your hand. Um, you shop for something. Maybe you shop for something online. You're like, yeah, I like that shirt. I like that outfit. I'm going to buy that. Probably shouldn't right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'll just put it in the closet. I won't wear it for a while. I don't have to tell my spouse right away. You know, it's not, not a big deal. Not, it's not going to break the bank. 
then you finally pull it out and you're like, you're so excited to see it and wear it and see what your spouse thinks and you put it on and they're like, wow, you look awesome. Is that new? No, I've had it for a couple months. <laughs> you're not lying, but you've hid it from them. You have had it for a couple months, but what's your integrity worth? Is it worth the cost of what you've hidden? Now, I know none of us have ever done this. What's your integrity worth? Is it worth exaggerating to make people like you? I know we've never done this before. We don't have any fishermen in here. We don't have any hunters in here. None of you. Caught a fish this big. You know, that kind of thing. How many of us have exaggerated to make somebody like us, to make them think that we're more than we are? What's your integrity worth? Is it worth their thoughts? Is it worth that story? Hmm. Job in the Bible said that integrity was everything. It's easy for us to say that. Integrity is everything, but really is it? Job says in Job 27, he says, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Jot this down. Job, Job 27, 5 and 6. Job 27, 5 and 6. I will not deny my integrity. If you remember the story of Job, his friends are coming in because he's lost everything. His family's been killed. His, his riches have been, have been taken away. He's lost it all. And he's sitting there with his friends. And they're like, if you would just tell God that you're mad at this, that you just would give it up. Would you just give it up, Job? Because then you could move on. And God will bless you again. Just give it up. And he says, I will never deny my integrity. See, if you rewind in Job's story, the enemy comes to God and says, Job loves you because you bless him so much. Job loves you because you've given him so much. Take it all away and he won't love you anymore. And God gives permission for the enemy to come and wipe everything away. And Job stands strong. Job does not deny his integrity. He never lets go of it as long as he lives. What's your integrity worth? I was working for a student loan company, Lincoln, Nebraska. I'd been there a couple years at this point. I was a skip tracer. Anybody know what a skip tracer is? A couple of years, I was a debt collector is what I was. Um, and so we would search people out. And we'd find out where they were. We would do a bunch of checks. And so I'd been there a couple of years and I'd done a good job, I felt like. I was, I was I was one of the top performers in my, in my um, division. I could find people. It was fun. It was like a game. Um, and that was cool. But then there was an opportunity to interview for a position in management, uh, low-level management, kind of managing some of our workflow and, and things like that. And so I put my application in. I put my interest in. And, and as the day came to be interviewed, they were interviewing only people from the inside the division. So it was everybody who knew what was going on. And I remember sitting in my cubicle, and where I sat in my cubicle, I could see the manager's office that was doing all the interviews. And so I could watch everybody that was interviewing was going in right next to my desk and right into the interview. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm going to pray that they give their very best in this interview. I want to pray a blessing over each person. So as they went in there, I, I prayed silently that God would, 
they would never, they would never stutter. They would never misspeak, that their resume would shine, that they would be able to put their best foot forward. Because I believe that if they gave their best and I gave my best, then, then we wouldn't have anything to lose. And so I remember praying for each person that went in. And as they went in and interviewed and everything panned out the way it was. And, and I was blessed enough to be given the job. So I was promoted to, to this low-level management position. And I began to manage all of these people that interviewed for the same job that I received. Shortly after this time, that as we were going through our normal workflow activity, I got called into the boss's office, and I didn't have a clue what was going on. I was just trying to manage the day-to-day and keep things going smoothly, and I sat down at her desk, and she looked at me, and she said, BJ, there's some things going on that we need to talk to you about. I said, okay. Um, again, I had peace. I didn't know what she was talking about, and so she, she looks at me, and she says, BJ, somebody's accusing me that you were falsifying your accounts on your work. That when you say you're calling everybody to call them and back up their references, you're not actually doing it. When you're not sending the emails, you're reporting it falsely in the system, and so we can't tell what's really happening. I was speechless. My integrity was being questioned. And it would have been easy for me in that moment, in that immaturity, in my, in my walk with the Lord at that time, to just storm out of there and be so angry and bang on the desk and tell them that that's so tr- false and just really give it back to them, and I, but I didn't. I just was speechless. She said, what we're going to do is for the next 60 days, we're going to monitor every phone call you make and we're going to monitor every email you send out. We're going to watch everything you do from the moment you clock in to the moment you clock out. And I said, okay, that's fine. I look forward to talking to you afterwards because I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. But I learned very quickly in that moment When you have integrity in your life, when you are a person of integrity, nothing else matters. But I also learned that when you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. You know, things went on, time went on in that moment, in that job. I went worked those 60 days. I never got a follow-up report. I tried to schedule a meeting with my manager. I said, hey, can we talk about this? It's been over 60 days. I'm kind of curious what you found she said, no, we don't need to. But she didn't say anything more, and we just kept going about it. And I said, this isn't, this isn't right. You've questioned my integrity. You've stripped me down of, of who I am as a person, and yet now you're not willing to have a conversation to back that up. And so I began to pray about it, and God began to open a door for me to change positions and change jobs. And I left the company, and I left the job. I started working at another job, and I began training in this other job. And as I was working in this other job, I was, I was training with another coworker, And we began talking through the days, and I began sharing my story about where I was and where I'd come from before and kind of shared a little bit, not all the details of what happened, but I just shared a little bit with this, this coworker. And, and, and she was a young lady, and she, she was listening to me, and she was sympathetic, and we worked together, and it was a great time. Well, at the same time, running parallel to this time frame, I was getting involved in the church, and, and I, was, I was serving. I was NY president. I was working hard in the church and serving alongside brothers and sisters and doing some great things in the church and even had the opportunity to teach Sunday school and to preach to youth group, and it was pretty exciting. I was, I was enjoying it, and it was, God was fulfilling my call in my life. But I'd go to work, and I'd work with this young lady, and as we began to work and, and go through life together, there was an event coming up at our church, and I invited her to it. And I said to her, I said, you know, invite your, 
invite your friends. I knew she went to church somewhere else. I said, invite your youth group. Invite anybody to come and, and just come. It was a concert. We were having the concert at our church. And, and so I invited her and, and um, fast forward to this event taking place. And uh, they actually asked me to speak and give the, the devotional, the message time in between the bands. And so I was preparing for that. And I, was, I had actually forgotten that I'd invited her and her church and her youth group. And anyway, they ended up coming. Their whole youth group did. And uh, I began to preach that night, and I shared my story. I shared how God had called me to preach and how I was trying to be faithful to that and trying to live that out. And, and I didn't know it, but this girl had invited her youth group, and one of the sponsors in her youth group was her dad. And I began to, to preach and share my story, and we went our separate ways and never heard from her again. Never met her dad, didn't know who he was. I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. Fast forward to 2015, a lot had changed, 15 plus years. I'm at an all-church conference for the USA-Canada region in Kansas City, and I'm talking to some other pastors that I know from Nebraska. We began to gather around and pray for uh, some mutual friends that we had and some health issues that were going on. And as we were praying as pastors around this huddle and people that I knew and didn't know, we got done praying and I feel somebody tap me on the shoulder. And they said, you're BJ, right? I said, yeah. Can I talk to you a minute? He said, sure, yeah. Didn't know the guy, had no clue who he was. Pulls me aside. He said, I really need to tell you something. He said, do you remember that concert that you preached at? I said, yeah. What about it? Um, he said, I was there that night. My daughter had invited me, and my daughter was your coworker. And I see your life now. I see how you've lived your life, how you've continued to live out who you're called to be. He goes, that night I was wrestling with a call to the ministry. I was running from God, and I heard you preach about your call and how you needed to be faithful no matter the ups and downs that came, and you needed to be faithful to God, and I decided that night that I was going to commit myself to the call of God in my life. And I rededicated my life that night, and I surrendered everything to him, and I wanted to follow his call for me to preach, and I'm here to tell you today, BJ, because of your story, I'm a pastor at a church today. Because I watched you live out your life. I had no clue who this guy was. No clue he was watching me. You see, we never know who's watching. We never know what may happen. But when you have integrity, nothing else seems to matter. When you don't have integrity, Nothing else seems to matter. So I want to close with these thoughts. I want to ask our praise team to come back, and we're going to sing a closing song here in just a moment as well. But as we close out this time together, we need to ask one last question. Pastor, what do I do if I don't have integrity? What do I do if I don't have this virtue? if I've given it up, if I've sacrificed my integrity, if I'm not living out my life, if I'm, my behavior is not matching my beliefs, what do I do if I don't have integrity? I'm glad you asked. Three quick things we need to do. First thing is this. We need to apologize and repent. 
God, I'm sorry that I haven't lived up to the person you've created me to be. I'm sorry that I haven't been a person of integrity. I'm sorry that I haven't always done the next right thing. Apologize. Own it. Repent. What else do I need to do if I don't have integrity? Very simply, starting right now, in this moment, apologize, repent. As soon as you do that, start doing the right thing. Start doing what's right. And then finally, what do I do if I don't have integrity? Get to know Jesus personally. Get to know Jesus personally. How better to know how to live with integrity unless we're following the example. Amen? Jesus is our guide. Jesus is that hope that we have. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to close with a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing a song of victory as we go out from this place today. But as we get ready to pray, I want to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Kind of just wait to gather your stuff. Let's just, let's just handle a couple things real quick. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've been pretty honest with yourself today as you've sat there and listened and you've taken in what God's word has to say about this virtue of integrity. Maybe today you realize that things haven't been lining up for you. But you have some places to improve on this. And as, as we went over those last three things, maybe something stuck out to you and you realize, you know what, I need to apologize. I need to repent for that. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you realize you just need to apologize for your lack of integrity and repent of that, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Would you look at me when you raise your hand? I want to just tell, let you know I'm going to be praying for you. Thank you for that hand. I'm going to be praying for you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? You just, you just need to apologize and repent. I'm going to do better. I need God's help. Amen. How many of you here today, you're doing pretty good, but you need to help. You need that encouragement to do the next right thing. Like, man, I just, I know that I need some encouragement. I need some prayer. I need some help. If you need encouragement to just do the next right thing, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Amen. Hands going up all over the place. I want to do the next right thing. I want to be known as a person of integrity. Amen. You can put your hands down. How many of you here today would admit to yourself, to God, to your pastor who's going to pray for you? You know what? I want to know Jesus more personally. Would you just raise your hand? Amen. Hands going up all over the place. I want to know Jesus more personally, more intimately. I want him to be my guide. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God, we come to you in this moment and we say, we're sorry. Everybody in their hearts praying this prayer, God, I'm, I'm sorry that in those moments where my behavior has not matched my beliefs. I'm sorry when I've exaggerated or I've, I've negotiated something in error or I've taken something that wasn't mine or God, whatever it may have been, Lord, I apologize today. I repent of it. I turn away from it. God, I give it to you. Forgive me for those things. Forgive me for not living a life of integrity. God, I pray that you would forgive those that have raised their hand and that they've prayed that prayer of repentance to receive your grace once again today. God, I pray for everybody that raised their hand that says, I just need some help to do the next right thing. God, when we pray these kinds of prayers, we're going to walk out of these doors and we're going to be given an opportunity to choose right or wrong. 
We're going to be given an opportunity. Eh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. God, help us all to do the next right thing today. Start with us today, God, to do the next right thing. And God, I pray with all of my heart, with all of my passion, God, I pray that you would help each and every person in the sound of my voice today that this week they will commit to know you more personally next Sunday than they do today. God, I pray that you would help them to get into your word. I pray, God, if it takes the time being to stand still. Your word says that in moments when we ask for it, you set the clock back. Lord, I pray that in this week that you would give us time to know you. Give us time to get in your word. Give us time to pray with you. God, give us time to worship you this week. Help us to know you more personally. God, I give you praise and thanks for the victories that are taking place today. That as we walk out of this place today, you are helping us to leave here as people of integrity that will do the next right thing. We love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together as we go.